You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas and Happy and Holy Hanukkah to you. Here's the deal. Listen up. We're going to dive into why are we followers of Messiah? Foundationally, it has nothing to do about the New Testament. It's all about the Hebrew Old Testament. It's all about Moses, believe it or not. That's where it all begins. So grab your Bibles, or if you're driving along, listen in, because we're going to find out the origin of Christmas. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. Hey everybody, first of all, welcome to the podcast that we are bringing to you today. And it's obviously a special time, a special season. And I'm going to do something a little bit, well, special. And that is I am going to uh, springboard off of um, a message I gave uh, recently regarding Christmas. And it's a, uh, it's a Christmas series, uh, but it's really regarding the verse, I have to confess to you, um, the way that I prepare a message is that I pray first with a blank notepad uh, with Bible open, and I write down thoughts that come into my head. And I don't go to I don't go to I never go to other people's sermons, even though they're great. Um, I just don't. The Lord and I have a thing together where I believe He's alive and real. I believe His Bible is alive and real, and I believe that He is for. Uh, us in the here and now. In other words, I believe that God is not only relevant, I believe that he's what the old word would be prescient, which means he is ready to meet tomorrow for us today, okay? So I only look at commentaries after I have a sermon prepared to make sure that my theology is sound and safe. So it's alone with God, notepad, Bible open, and I've been preparing, going through a series uh, during this Christmas season of 2023, uh, and and it's I just got the title of it, His Return. You say, well, Jack, wait a minute, His Return? You mean, you mean when He comes back in the rapture or when He comes back in the second coming to earth? Uh, yeah, sure, but no. That's not exactly 
what I was thinking, his return. He said, Jack, what, you know, what's on your head? So as I began to just think about the Christmas message, the Christmas advent to mankind, the gospel of God given to people, it dawned on me the first message that God would send the Messiah into the world, it's not a New Testament doctrine. A lot of people think that the Christmas message is a Christian Christmas New Testament message. And in all reality, it's not. And you may be thinking right now, I'm going to turn you off, Jack. You're wrong. Nope, I'm right, and I'll prove it to you. And I can do it in one verse. In one verse. And it's this. Write it down if you would. It's Genesis 3.15. Now, before I read it, I want to have you make sure that you make a, a, a note of this or that you forward this podcast to any of your Jewish friends. For that matter, if you know any Muslims, uh, send it to them as well. Uh, especially Jewish people, but Muslims as well. First of all, let's get Islam and the Muslim um, off the table. And, and let's just answer this. Muslims claim to honor Moses. Well, if they really did, then they would have to approach the first five books of Moses like any one of us, like all of us, Gentile and Jew alike. The Muslim would have to do the same thing because the Muslim would have to honor Moses and thereby read Genesis. But if you read Genesis as a Muslim, you come to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And that becomes a problem if you're a Muslim. If you're a Jew, because right now you're a Jew, you're saying, stick it to him, Jack. <laughs> well, if you're a Jew, it's you're going to get a bone stuck in your throat or you're going to find out that you have a pebble in your shoe, so to speak, right? Genesis 3.15 to the Jew is what we would say uh, in English is a conundrum. It is a revelation of truth that demands that you Accept it one way and one way only. I love this. God who speaks in truth doesn't speak with options. I mean, listen, he gives you the option to choose him or not. That's about it. He's the God of all truth. He's not the God of multiple choices, which is awesome. That's why, by the way, allow me, my Jewish friends, hang on. Let me sneak ahead for a second. I know you don't believe this, but... Yeshua, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven but through me. This is what Jesus said. This is what Yeshua as Messiah said. I, I know my Jewish friends don't believe that. That's okay for now. But... If you go to Genesis 3.15 as a Jew, because look, I'm a Gentile, and I had a lot of fun the other day. can't remember who I was talking to. Um, 
Oh, I, I am actually not going to say his name, nor his political office. He's a because that would not be cool. He's he's Jewish, and he's a political. He's in Israeli politics. And I had a chance to say to him, you might think that I'm a follower of Jesus as Messiah because of the New Testament. I am not. The New Testament only substantiates and answers what the Old Testament declares. And I said to him, your Old Testament, your Hebrew prophets, he was puzzled. And I showed him some verses. But one of the reasons is this. Genesis 3.15, you guys, this is what it says. I guess I should back up, right? Because Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3 is where Adam and Eve sin. They have fallen. And the Lord is walking through the garden and calls out, Adam, where are you? Which is an amazing invitation. Adam, I believe this because of what is called expositional constancy. So what does that mean? That means from Genesis to Revelation, or for the Jew, from Genesis to Malachi, the exposition of God's word stays the same. It never changes. If God says this, for example, when God says, I love Israel, my covenant with Israel is forever, then everything else has to be read through the lens of the unchangeableness of God, the immutability of God, which means God loves Israel and he will never, never, ever, never change the covenant that he's made with Israel. In fact, you can read that in great detail in Jeremiah 31. Um, among other passages of scripture, God says that these things are so true, my covenant with Israel, that as long as the heavens exist and the sun and the moon uh, course through their sky from day, day to day, so long as my covenant with Israel forever. So do keep that in mind. Expositional constancy is what the word says, is what the word will always say. I love that. I'm not sure about anything in this world. I'm not sure about uh, my my name, technically. I mean, I look, I do, uh, what is that thing? You know, your DNA, 23 and me, and all this kind of stuff, and my name is supposed to mean this, and these are the lineage of my blood. Who knows? Pfft. One thing I know for sure is God's word will never change because God cannot change, and he says my word cannot change. Okay, that's a big preamble to get into what we're looking at right now, and it is this. And so... I'm going to start in Genesis 3.9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Which is an act of mercy. Adam, I'm inviting you to step forward and confess. He didn't do it. He stayed hidden. He thought, wrapped up in leaves. And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Can you imagine this to the human eye, this bush, you can hear a voice coming out of some shrubs. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Isn't that amazing? So the nakedness of Adam, meaning he sinned, immediately he was aware and conscious of. That means his, that his, his, his psyche, his consciousness was immediately guilty. That's one of the things about mankind today is mankind is born into guilt. We are guilty. And your little grandson and your little granddaughter or your little son, your little daughter is guilty and they know it. They don't know how to cope with that, but they're guilty. 
They're guilty. They're guilty of lying to you. They're guilty of stealing cookies. They're guilty of, of uh, whatever they do. They're guilty. We're all guilty. We're naked. We're just like Adam. We're naked. Lord, I'm naked. Guilt. And so he says, I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Of course, God knew this. Again, what is he doing? This is the second time God is, is uh, requisitioning, uh, luring, as it were, wooing. Adam, confess. Just confess. Wow. He can't do that, though. Pride won't let you do that. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And then the woman said, the serpent deceived me. So Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent, which ultimately is, this is the psychology that's going on. God, you gave me a defective woman. That's what, it's all your fault. Hey, you gave me a defective snake, this thing you made. You shouldn't have done this, God, right? God's, they're blaming God. That's what they're doing. And we still do that today when our hearts are not in the right place. And so the woman said that the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed among all cattle. And more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Uh, that's Genesis 3.14. I just want to say this. Um, I know that um, there's a guy at um, Hillsdale College. It's not a good start, by the way. He is a literature teacher. He's got his doctorate in literature, but he's teaching a theology course. Well, not. I'm not even going to say it that way. Uh, he's teaching a course on Genesis from a literary background, which he approaches it as poetic and nuance. Um, he talks about the underlying um, symbolisms and what is tucked away in the narrative and what is, uh, you know, a storyline. Listen, note to self. You never want to have a doctorate of literature be teaching theology in a college course, and the conclusion is Genesis is not a book to be taken literally. It's pathetic. And in that course, he says, you can't take it literally because a serpent, everybody knows a serpent crawls on its belly. You can, hear the, you can even hear the class laugh in the course. So what's God saying here? Excuse me? That's not what the Bible says. The serpent did not crawl on its belly in Genesis 3 until it was cursed by God. Then it crawled on its belly. Somehow, the serpent stood upright. On what? Legs? I don't know. Did it stand up on the end of its tail and move? I don't know. I wasn't there. And neither was the professor at Hillsdale College on this one. Nobody was there except God and Adam and Eve and Satan and the animal kingdom. In this case, the serpent. Very important to remember this. 
the serpent was cursed, thus then it was forced to crawl on its belly after the fall. That's theology. That's what the Bible says. So its judgment was on its belly, it shall go. Here comes the punch. Here comes the Christmas line, the Christmas theology. God says, I will put warfare, enmity, between you, he's speaking to Satan, and the woman, that's Eve, and between your offspring, the seed, Satan's offspring, I'm going to put warfare between your offspring and her offspring. Now, the word in your Bible says seed. Uh, it's where we get the modern day term for us out of the Greek, and even the Latin is sperm or sperma. This is the seed of man, the seed of male, male DNA, male. See, we have a problem here. And yeah, we do have a problem here if we've got a very, very dinky God, but thank God we don't. I'm going to put warfare between you, Satan, and your offspring, and between her and her offspring. You guys are going to war against each other. Oh, but you can cheer up, everybody. Satan's seed, his descendants, those that come from him, what is Satan known for? Pride, unbelief, and he's at war with God. Oh, and by the way, the fine print is he's at war with women. He's at war with women because from woman is this promise, Genesis 3.15, that something's going to come. Someone is going to come from woman. So listen up, ladies. Satan hates your guts. <laughs> Have a nice day, all, all you ladies and women out there. Satan hates your guts. Uh, that actually should be a great encouragement. Satan hates women. That's why he prostitutes women. That's why he traffics with women. That's why he uh, ha abuses women. Satan hates women. Why? Because God has a special place in his heart for women. And one of them is that from woman would come the Messiah of the world. You say, where do you get that from? Genesis 3.15. Look in your Bibles. It's capital S signifying from the Old Testament, from Moses himself, that the woman and from the women's, from, from Eve's line, that eventually from a woman would come uh, divinity, that something would happen regarding the woman not having sperm but an egg, that something would happen in, in a woman that from her seed, this is a miracle, you guys, from her seed, watch what would happen. That from your seed, he shall, watch this, he shall bruise your head. The word in Hebrew is crush. He, whoever the seed is, is a male. So you've got a female and her seed being male. Her offspring is of divine origin. It doesn't involve intercourse or a human male. There's a divine impregnation of a female to come in the days of Moses. To come, he will be divine Whoever he is, my Jewish friends, whoever he is, Genesis 3.15, Moses said, whoever he is, he's going to crush Satan's head. But Satan will crush his heel. Stop right there. Moses said, a divine one will come from human 
origins of a woman, not a man. A woman, male. Not a male, female. Not a male, but from a female. In fact, excluding a male, but from a human female. The origin will be divine. The seed, capital S. Whoever he is, he will destroy Satan. Can Moses destroy Satan? No. Any of the prophets? No. Can Michael, the archangel that presides over the protection of Israel? No. How about Gabriel that appeared to Daniel? Daniel chapter 9. No. Who in the Old Testament scriptures can destroy Satan? There's only one, and that's God himself. The question should be in your mind, if God is, sorry, if Moses is true, now you see what's happening here, if, if Moses is true, all of a sudden I'm casting a provocative threat, deliberately, sarcastically, lovingly, to not only all believers, but especially to my Jewish friends. If Moses is a man of God, if Moses was called by God, if God spoke through Moses, and if God is the author of the scriptures, we have a major problem in front of us or a ginormous blessing. Whoever the one who is to come is coming is going to destroy Satan's work. But Satan is going to have the opportunity to crush his heel. I'll submit submit this to you, and then we have to wrap it up. I'm supposed to stick to 20 minutes. Don't know why. It could be the 11th commandment, just joking. But here's the deal. Whoever Moses is talking about, it's not Moses. And it's not Israel. But when he comes, he's going to come through a woman. And when he comes through a woman, him coming is required for him to destroy the works of Satan. Satan is going to inflict pain against him, but only in the heel. If you read Isaiah 53 about Israel's Messiah... That makes sense. If you read Psalm 22, the Psalm of David, that makes sense. If you read Psalm 2, that makes sense. If you read Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14, makes sense. What's going on here? The Christmas message is found in Genesis 3.15. His return was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. That after the fall, God in the garden speaks to the serpent and says, boy, are you going to get yours in the end? And oh, by the way, Adam and Eve, I'm going to redeem you. It's going to be in the future. From your descendants, Eve. Now, I know many of my Jewish friends will not even look or listen. You have been told by your rabbis, you cannot read the New Testament. It is forbidden. Isn't it interesting, by the way? They also say that there are Old Testament chapters and books that are forbidden to you as well. 
little bit of a test. Oh, my friends, please. I hope you I hope you haven't tuned tuned us tuned me tuned us off yet. Isn't it interesting that all of the forbidden scriptures that your rabbis tell you not to read, every single one of them deal with the Messiah coming to rescue you and save you? I want you to think about that for a minute. So you see, my friend, I believe that Yeshua is Messiah because... I believe Moses. I believe Genesis 3.15 is from God. I believe that at this Christmas time, which is just, you know what, I don't even care about the date. The date is irrelevant. It's not when Jesus was born, December 25th. We all know that. That was pagan. That was set up by Constantine, Roman Empire. It's a day for people to sell stuff and all that stuff. I get all that. Get together, eat turkey, whatever. For the real follower of Messiah, it's just another day for us. We celebrate his coming every day. Listen, we take Sabbath, like my Sabbath is a Monday, to rest physically. But my Sabbath of my soul is every day. I don't have one day a week set aside for my soul to Sabbath. I have found my rest. I have found my peace. My shalom is in him. Listen, we can talk about this some other time. I plan on doing more and more messages to reach our Jewish friends, especially at a time like this. And I know that you have no commitment at all to listen to some bonehead Gentile tell you about your scripture. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to take these scriptures, Genesis 3.15, and take it to your rabbi. Ask him. Look into it for yourself. Here's your questions, and then we'll end. Who was Moses talking about? Who crushes Satan's head? Who gets inflicted by Satan in the heel? Who inflicts? Who is it that Satan's going to inflict pain upon? But that same one is going to crush Satan's head. Look, you can walk away from a crushed heel. <laughs> you can't walk away from a crushed head. And so I want to I want to not only say happy Hanukkah, holy Hanukkah, I like that better. But holy and merry and happy Christmas to those who know what it means. Listen, as always, it's our intentions here at our real life podcast to have you live out what it is that you believe in, which means if you do that, it's time for you to live real life, right? So if these podcasts matter to you, again, I plead with you, we don't need your money. We're not asking for it. Well, look, we're not going to reject it. If you send money to us, we're going to reinvest in these podcasts and in real life media, which has a plethora of other platforms where we get the word out, but we're not asking for your money. Notice how many commercials you just had, right? This is a total faith thing. God's going to speak. God's going to provide. If he doesn't want us to do this, he's going to shut us down. I'm totally good with that. I'll go to the beach instead. My point is, I want you to look at truth. God's word is true. If you don't believe that, test them. Go to Genesis 3.15 and disprove it. But we want to hear from you. 
Go to jackhibbs.com. We're not going to bug you. And leave us a message and leave us a note. Yes, by the way, you have. Drop dead. We've been hearing things like that. But you know what? For every drop dead, we've been hearing hundreds of, wow, I didn't know that before. Okay, so please, until next time, God bless you guys. Share this. You can help us by promoting on the algorithm. If you just give us a like button, promote this, share it, and spread it around because then it bumps it up on the algorithm uh, among the tech uh, world and it increases our viewership, okay? What does that mean? That means you play a part in helping us get the word out. So let's do it together, okay? God bless you guys. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.